Hello and welcome to another We Love Books, the show where we're just absolutely crazy about kids' books and we know you are too. On today's show, we learn how to plant, sow, make and grow with Esther Coombs and her daughter Tinny. They've written and illustrated a beautiful book on everything you need to know to turn your garden or even your windowsill into a forest of wildflowers or a whole crop of vegetables. We've got a top writing tip from our own in-house writer extraordinaire, Dave Rudden. But first, let's hear what you guys like to read about. I like reading about animals because it sounds interesting and you can learn about them. I like reading about revolting children. I like reading the David Williams' World's Worst Children because they're all different revolting children. I love reading about school and home scenes because every time, like, there's someone who, like, in school who's, like, really funny. I like adventures and imagination and unicorns. I like scary stories and unicorns. And- <laughs> well, something you might know about us here on We Love Books is that we love classic books. Now, classic books weren't written today or yesterday. Some of them were even written a hundred years ago or more. And there are some amazing titles out there for you to explore. Some of them have been made into films like Little Women, The Secret Garden and Black Beauty, which brings us very nicely to eight-year-old Robin's review of Black Beauty. Now, this book was written in 1877 by Anna Sewell. She said she had a special aim in writing the book, and that was to induce kindness, sympathy and an understanding of the treatment of horses. Let's see what Robin thought. It was a good book and it was also quite sad. It tells you a lot about how they treated horses back a long time ago and um, it kind of tells you how, how people got around and how people did things. It's quite good for people who kind of like horses. It's about a horse kind of telling his life story and he's called Black Beauty and he goes to uh, quite a few different families and some are really bad, some are really good. And the sad thing is that whenever he goes to a good family who's really nice, uh, something bad always happens to them, which is kind of sad. It has a tiny bit of funniness in it and it's very educational. I think children should read uh, classic books because it tells you how people did things and how things happened and what things would happen if this hap- if this sort of thing happened. And then I think children should read classics because they're also quite funny and entertaining also and uh, you learn loads. My favourite thing was that he didn't just always stay with the one family. He always went to other people and then he kind of had a bad time and had a good time. I don't like about the book, it's kind of sad. But it's, uh, it's a really good book and that's why I like it. Now on We Love Books, it's time for our interview with a featured author. And in this case, we've got an author and a muse. Our muse in question is called Tinny and she inspired her mom Esther to write Plant, Sew, Make and Grow. And as you might guess from the title, it's a beautiful book 
all about gardening and how you can turn everyday household items and spaces into something blooming wonderful. It's full of mud-tastic activities for blooming gardeners and also jam-packed full of absolutely beautiful and incredibly detailed pictures. Let's chat to Tinny first about the gardening club at her school that kicked off the whole project. I am here with this stunning book, Plant, Sow, Make and Grow, in front of me. And I hear that you're one of the huge inspirations behind it. Yes. And it started with a club in your school, is that right? Yes. So it was called Gardening Club. And Mummy and her friends started the club. And they started by, we all started by going and planting a plant in their around the polytunnel and grow some plots. Then we picked them. And the next year we brought a new polytunnel. We carried on gardening club. And then uh, we did it for those two or three years. And then Mummy has now worked on a book because she now works for other places. So she doesn't have time to run it anymore. <laughs> and the details are that everyone says they'll run it and then they forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. You can't forget about your plants, can you? <laughs> so what type of plants do you grow in the garden? We normally grow peas. Lovely. Beans. Uh, we sometimes grow pumpkins, Ooh. we grow rhubarb, we grow strawberries, we grow potatoes, and we grow mints and beetroot and carrot, and we grow cucumber. Lovely. And what is your favourite thing to grow, Tinny? Uh, I like growing... Uh, Oh, broccoli. I like growing broccoli in our garden. <laughs> and why do you like growing broccoli? Because all the caterpillars come and eat it. <laughs> and it's very funny. <laughs> and do you see any other little insects and bugs and animals in your garden apart from the caterpillars? We have to see the butterfly to make the caterpillars. Oh, of course. <laughs> we see bees, ladybirds, worms. Flies and moths, but moths and snails will keep escaping because they're so fast. <laughs> and do you have any problems with snails eating your crops? Mummy does, but I don't. I like catching them and then putting in the house I've made out of wood for them. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's brilliant. And what is your favourite thing about this amazing book that your mum has written? I like the compost machine. It's cool, isn't it? Can you tell us what compost is? Compost is plants what rot, plants what rot away and make manure. Okay, not manure. That's a different sort of compost. <laughs> uh, they rot away and make soil, rich, juicy soil to help the plants grow. And I also like pumpkin carving. One year I carved a uh, a pumpkin, but it had two heads and a tongue. Wow. So we had to, like, put it together like a jigsaw. <laughs> I like harvesting wild flower seeds. A 
Of course, yeah, because it's not just veg, is it? It's all the beautiful flowers. And what flowers do you love? I like sunflowers because the birds can eat them. How fun to get to work in the garden with your mum and then have a whole book written about it. Now on We Love Books, we chat to Esther, who wrote and illustrated the fabulous book, and we talk all about the idea and where it came from. There was a sort of a slightly disused bit of field at my daughter's primary school and a polytunnel that was looking a bit sad, really. It either sort of needed a skip or a lot of love. <laughs> and so um, I had to think about it, and the head teacher was quite keen for someone to sort of take it on. And I thought, well, I'd really like to do it, but I'm quite tight on time and I'd love to make an art project out of it because I like gardening and I like art. So I thought that if I could make it so I could do a bit of both, it would sort of tick all my boxes. There's this great charity called the Ernest Cook Trust who sort of promote outdoor learning and art outside. And so I approached them for a grant to rejuvenate Gardening Club and get it back on its feet, which we did, and also to pay me to make a zines, which are like mini magazines. They're, in fact, actually, it'd be great for kids to know about zines because they're so easy to make. So a zine basically is normally a one- or two-page mini leaflet come magazine and the idea is you make it yourself and photocopy it and sell it or give it away so it's a very accessible thing to do and I thought I'd make these zines and then put them in the book bags for the kids to take home so they could do some gardening at home if they wanted to with like tips about what we'd been doing this term so I did that and then the second year I had a whole bunch of these zines and went to the person I'd done the publisher I'd done the other books with and said button books are brilliant and said uh, I think this could be a quite nice book and they were like, yeah, maybe it could be quite a nice book. <laughs> and so we kept doing Gardening Club. And through the second year, I did a bunch of activities with the kids and thought, I'm sort of made a note, mental note of like what worked and what didn't work. And then at the end of the second year, I started making the book. Well, it is quite a nice book. Not only is it quite a nice book, it is a luscious book. It is so oh, gorgeous. It must have taken, I mean, I can't imagine how long it would have taken to, to do all the incredible <laughs> illustrations. Uh, quite a long time. <laughs> but, I do, but I do, and it doesn't sort of matter what I'm drawing. They end up being full of stuff and detail and, you know, I don't make life hard, easy for myself. <laughs> but, and, and there were times when it was like, oh, this is too much. We need some actual words on this page, Esther. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's right. You're right. I should do that. Um, but, yeah, no, I've, I've loved doing it. And I'm really glad that they were they could sort of see the potential in it too and that they were sort of keen to do it because it was a bit of a passion project. I was like, I really believe in this. And they were like, well, it sounds good. We're into it. Let's, you know, show me some artwork. And and so that's how it began, really. And for all of the uh, kids listening at the moment who would be very interested in art and pictures, what advice would you give to them about becoming an illustrator? Ah, so this is the best and simplest tip because anyone can do it any time, which is draw, draw, and draw some more. You've just got to get drawing. And so if it's drawing for your imagination, that's brilliant. If you can draw something you can really see in front of you, that's really wonderful because the more you look, the more you draw, the better you get. So when you're drawing something, I say this to Tinny when we're drawing something out in the world, look like twice as long as you draw. So look till you count to ten and then draw till you count to five. Your drawings will improve and the more you do them, the better they get. That's the key to any good basis for any artwork actually is to get good at seeing and get good at like, making notes about what you're seeing. And do you find any similarities between gardening and drawing? Are they both kind of with your hands and sort of... <laughs> yes, with your hands and expect it to go wrong a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> even with the best intentions, you can start a cracking drawing and you get right to the end. And I know the, the inclination, like, this is the same with Tinny and lots of kids, is to go, oh no, it's gone wrong and scrub it out. 
but don't keep it and then have another go because if your second go is better than your first one you can see why and it's not that different with gardening so tinny was talking about the broccoli and the caterpillars well i planted broccoli this year and i thought it was going just fabulously i've never done broccoli before and it got to the point where it was all lovely fresh green leaves and i thought oh i feel like someone said something about netting broccoli before because i hadn't done broccoli for a while and the caterpillars have just eaten it to death. Obviously, you did <laughs> go wise. Well, Tinny's so pleased because she's, essentially we've turned broccoli into a science experiment and now it's about <laughs> how the caterpillars grow and when they'll turn into a chrysalis. And so although <laughs> next time I do broccoli, I'll net it. So I'll learn from my mistakes. It wasn't a lost cause. So maybe it's about sort of having a go, expecting it to go wrong and then having another try. Yeah, there's so many great tips like that in the book. I love different ones about growing the strawberries in the bottle with the sort of bottle yeah. basket and the seeds started with the toilet paper so for anyone who's listening and they've maybe never gardened before what little tips would you give people or what should they start with um so starting small is good because even if you've only got a windowsill you can totally grow stuff you could easily grow strawberries or herbs or something small in the windowsill really easily and and strawberries are a great one because they're so rewarding because everyone loves a strawberry but also they make more of themselves in a really obvious way so if you buy one strawberry plant or someone who has a garden gives you one strawberry plant and you grow some strawberries on your windowsill and it's quite happy that's great and then at the end of the summer, when it's finished growing strawberries, it starts sending out these little, um, little legs called runners. And so they're li- little shoots that grow away from the plant, and they want to make a new plant. So it's like the mummy plant is trying to make extra baby plants. So if you put these little runners into the pot next to the one you've been growing, you'll grow another plant. So they really multiply. So if you have one plant, you can have six plants the next year. So I started off with six plants, and now I've got a strawberry patch that's about about four meters square (laughs) we love strawberries (laughs) but that's a really easy one you need almost no space you could do it in a bucket you could do it on a windowsill and you could you know have a good yield of strawberries by the end of the next year and it's sort of you know it's the lovely thing about gardening if it goes okay if you get a few to eat and a few seeds it's free next year it doesn't matter how big your gardening space is, we can all make a difference. So we can reuse things from the rubbish to make things that we need for gardening, like water and cans and pots. I use lots of old juice bottles where I cut the top off and make little propagators for them to start new seeds. It's, it's there and it's free and it's available and it's good for the earth and there's no reason why we shouldn't give it a go. And finally, Esther, what was your favourite thing about making this book? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um... Well, in drawing terms, I really loved doing the chapter openers, the big pictures for spring, summer, autumn and winter because they're full of detail and I love a big detailed drawing. But in terms of making the book, I think actually it's been giving the book to people who've helped me make it and see how, how happy they are about it. So when I've given it to the other gardening club volunteers and shown it to the children and gifted one to the school and seen them pass it around the class and get excited about it, that that was the best bit for sure for sure <laughs> and i hope that people get you know get if they get hold of it and they have a little look they find something they can get started with because gardening's a bit of a bug once you start that's it you've got green fingers so yeah. the next thing you do is bound to be more interesting and you know every time you do a new thing you're going to take it a bit further and try something a bit more tricky so pick an easy thing to get started and before you know it it's going to grow on you Things really do taste better if you grow them yourself. I know everyone says it, but it's really true. (laughs) (laughs) Peas off the pea plant in the garden just taste like sweeties. They're amazing. Now on We Love Books, it's time to hear from our in-house writer extraordinaire, Mr. Dave Rudden. 
Some say when he types, the keyboard cries tears of joy. But we say, get back to work, Dave. Give us another writing tip. Hi, I'm Dave Rudden, author of Knights of the Borrowed Dark. This is your two-minute tip on getting your work published. Start the clock. So you've written a story. You've edited it. You've polished it. But what's the next step? How do you go from being someone who writes to being a writer? The first thing to do is decide whether you want to share your work with people. Because I'll tell you right now, you're not any less of a writer if you want to keep your work to yourself. Writing can be a job, but it can also be a secret. It can be a friend to talk to, somewhere to put ideas that no one else gets to see. If you do want to be read, then my advice is to start small and build up. Join a writing group. If you can't find one, put one together. Ask your English teacher to advertise one in your school or your librarian to put one together in your library. Find like-minded young authors to talk to and plot with. Offer to edit their work and get yours edited in return. Other people will always see things in your work that you are too close to see and editing other people's work will make your editing better. Once you have a few pieces of work that you're proud of, start looking for competitions to enter. Check out writing.ie's online list of writing contests. Look at the RTE Guides short story competition, the Ireland's own short story competition, or look at festivals like Listole who offer contests and writing classes for kids. Competitions give you deadlines. It gives you a word count, maybe even a theme or a topic. And most importantly, it gives you experience in sending out your work. That's all that matters at the start. Just taking that chance. Don't worry about winning or losing, because just entering is kind of a win in itself. It will be scary your first few times, but eventually you'll get used to and hopefully enjoy the process. There's something really exciting about the idea of people reading your work, of your ideas out there in the world, inside people's heads. And there will be rejections. I got 25 rejections when I was looking for an agent and more on my first book. It happens. It's gross and it's annoying and maybe even it'll make you want to give up. But I am four novels into my career and I've taught over 500 writing classes on three different continents and I can honestly say that the only people who don't get published are the people who quit. Write your work, be original, edit it, get others to edit it. But never, ever stop. Because if you do, the world doesn't get to hear your story at all. Good luck. Dave, out. Now on We Love Books, it's over to you. Here's an original story written for us by 11-year-old Evine. A Vast Ocean by Evine O'Sheridan. It was a beautiful day. The sun clipped the white tops of the waves and the sky was a soft blue filled with fluffy pink clouds. The sun was setting and a big toothy smile appeared on my face while I breathed in the salty sea air. I was still raging with my parents for dragging me out of my old life and bringing me on this stupid expedition. Saying goodbye to my friends was torture. My little sister Bella screamed out, the tears rushing down her face when I left her, and Granny couldn't look at me. But the view was breathtaking. I couldn't imagine why they had to take me, though. Why or why didn't they leave me with Granny and Bella? 
Although it was beautiful out here in the vast ocean on a small boat looking for marine life, I missed my old life. My heart was pining for home when Dad came out of the cabin and let out a joyful sigh. I immediately started scowling and turned my back on him. Listen, Frankie, I know you aren't quite sure about all of this, he said. Humph, I replied. Frankie, we're going to be on this boat for two years together, so you might as well forgive me and Mum and move on, shouted Dad. I turned to look at him. I saw his face sorrowful and pleading, just like mine had been when I begged them not to take me with them on their expedition. I will never forgive you, I said in a low, hushed voice, and I went into the cabin to get some shut-eye. I woke with a start. The boat rocked violently underneath me. I was thrown out of my bed. I pulled myself up to the top deck. The sea was pitch black, the waves grabbing at my ankles as the water came flooding onto the deck. Mum! Dad! I screamed, running down into the titchy kitchen. My heart was pounding in my head. Where were they? I ran into their room, and finally my room. My mind spun as I realised that they weren't here. They weren't on board. I panicked and fell to my knees with a painful thwump. The water rushed over my legs, getting dangerously high. I remember feeling weak and faint as our boat began to sink. I yelled out into the night sky in fury and I gave up. There was nothing I could do. I knew I couldn't swim all night, and so this must be my end. I woke with a mouthful of salty water. It took a moment for me to concentrate. I sat up, my mind a blur. I was sitting on the filthy deck of my ship, very much alive and tired. My boat hadn't sunk. True, it was damaged, but nothing a toolbox couldn't fix. I stood up and walked cautiously down into the cabin. All our supplies were ruined, our flares completely soaked through. I began quaking. My clothes and hair were stiff with salt water. A fat tear rolled down my cheek. I sniffed and wiped my face with the back of my hand. I hated the fact that my last words to my parents were filled with hatred and spite. I wanted to tell them how much I had loved them, but I guess I'll never get the chance now. Well, that's all we have time for on today's episode of We Love Books. Huge thanks to all the amazing kids who read and wrote for us, to the sound lads, as always, and to you for listening. Until next time, happy reading.